Eagles Entertainment. The journey to the draft is driven by AAA. AAA, roadside is their strong side. Make AAA a part of your game day today. AAA, go ahead. With the 25th pick in the NFL draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Welcome to the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. I'm your host, Fran Duff. We've got another fun show this week, and it's, this is one of my favorite weeks in the college football calendar. Not only do we have a ton of really fun games this week with Alabama taking on LSU and some of the other big matchups around the country, but we've also got the first round of Senior Bowl acceptances. So we'll get into some of those big names. Who is going down to Mobile, Alabama in late January? Ben Fennell and I will talk about that as well as our normal repertoire of content there uh, on Saturday. Saturday scouting to kick off the show. After that, I'm going to chat with Tony Pauline in Draft Buzz, get some of the latest word on the street from the draft analyst himself. Then we'll go into my scouting report segment where this week I'm going to break down one of those players that's going to the Senior Bowl that we haven't quite talked about yet in the show, a little bit of a smaller school prospect and someone to keep an eye out on. And then we're going to answer one of your questions at home with our draft mailbag. Ton to get into on this show. Let's start it off now in Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. Well, back again for another segment of Saturday Scouting here on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA, none other than Ben Fennell. You can follow him on Twitter at BenFennell underscore NFL. Ben, uh, welcome back from your trip. You were down in uh, North Carolina, one of your favorite states. Yeah, Wake Forest, NC State, fun yep. matchup. Wake Forest has one loss on the season. They're That's se- wild. 7-1, they're rolling. Big matchup with Clemson in a couple weeks here. Everybody's making fun of that uh, that division in the ACC, and everybody's just making fun of the ACC in general. Right. Um, but Wake Forest, I mean, they got an interesting well. program, yeah. and it's not easy to get competitive teams out there. Just right. there's five thousand kids at the school. It's like fifty thousand dollar tuition. You can't get walk ons there. Um, so what they're doing now is pretty impressive. All right, well, let's uh, let's get into this game because we're going to do a little bit of a different structure for this segment this week because we've got some big news to hit on. There's no mm-hmm. Mr. Relevant this week, so I'm going to keep you on a little bit longer. We're going to hit on some of the big names of the senior role in the back end of our discussion. But uh, let's get into this game because um, some interesting names. I know you you were excited talking about some of these players from uh, from Wake Forest when you were down there, so excited to get your thoughts on some of these kids. Who, is, who, got, who gets the game ball after the win? Well, the game ball, we got to give Jamie Newman, okay. uh, the quarterback there. He missed a week before with an injury, uh, came back. This kid's a big kid. He's 6'4", 230. He's thick. He's got a live arm. Uh, Greg McElroy compared his release and mechanics and the way the ball pops out to a Cam Newton. Wow. And the way the ball just flies out. This thing zips out with serious velocity. He's got some mobility. I think he was responsible for five touchdowns in the game, 44-10 win. Uh, A little banged up left shoulder there, Mm. which is a concerning moving forward, but uh, can win inside the pocket, outside the pocket with his legs in combination with the really unique scheme they have in the running game. Mm. It's a lot of zone read stuff, but they carry out the zone read much yep. further than traditional zone read. So I sent you the piece I saw, right? Yeah, this week? yeah uh, just create cool. some interesting yep. kind of scenarios. There's sometimes where the quarterback will ride the mesh all the way through the line of scrimmage right. and turn into a lead blocker. It's wild. Um, I don't know if I would recommend that because one of these weeks he's going to get blasted well, by a defender. might explain the issue he's got with his left shoulder. No question. Um, <laughs> and they actually didn't do that as much, so I think trying to protect him a little bit. But but, but you think this kid's got like you know some he's legit got some upside. tools. He's yeah. he's interesting. Yeah. So a guy that we could be talking about. He's a junior now. Junior so he's right eligible, now. Yep. but. Hasn't really got that national buzz, but right. you know, potentially maybe next I year. I hope he stays and be yeah. one of the senior darlings around the ACC. Maybe yeah. you know, strike lightning in a bottle again. Sure. And, uh, is he? Is this his first year as a starter? 
I think second year. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'm, I'm, I know nothing about him. I haven't watched this Wake offense at all. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I watched them last year with Greg Dortch, but literally just I, I was just locked in on Dortch. So, uh, no, I, you spoke very glowingly of him uh, when you were down there. So excited to learn more about him. All right, let's get into your one play takeaway. What one player uh, or one one which one play are you walking away from this game really having in the back of your mind? Yeah, so we talked Carlos Basham last week. Yep. Explosive player. Rashawn Gary Jr. Relentless. Yep, I think he's a Rashawn Gary type of player yep. in that he's got some God-given athletic ability. Abilities, mm. explosive, good first step. Just really lacks the details and the refinement and being a true pass rusher. Very stiff-hipped. Uh, and there was a play this week that I thought encapsulated that. There was okay. a three-man rush, bit of a sim pressure. The left tackle busted protection. Basham came free. Nobody blocking him. Missed the quarterback. Okay. As the quarterback took one step to the left and he couldn't redirect and you know flip his hips and uh, and mirror the quarterback. The quarterback breaks the pocket. He runs around and chases him down about 15. 20 yards down the field. So mm. I think that was the whole kind of picture of Basham and that explosive player. But once you get him in a confined space, he struggles to kind of change directions and mirror guys moving, uh, you know, kind of uh, read and reacting off of him. So, Interesting. Yeah, I thought that play just kind of showed the stiffness, but you saw the explosiveness and you mm. saw the relentless nature as well in how he makes a lot of his plays. So, like, he moves better than, like, I'm just going to roll. I got a couple guys in my head, like, uh, like a Shalik Calhoun, right. like a. Um, who was the kid from Texas last year that's on the Texans now? Omenahu, oh, yeah. yeah, Charles Omenahu. Yeah. Like, he moves better than those guys yeah, in a straight so. line. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yep. he's going to be a guy uh, that's going to be very, very interesting if he decides. He uh, could to end come up out. having a career like a Marcus Golden. Okay. Uh, Arizona Cardinals, yep. now with the New York Giants. Uh, he's been very productive at times. No for his question. Career. Yep. Um, all right, well, let's get into your off the bus guy. Who really looked the part uh, when you saw them up close? Well, I was sitting there watching these two receivers. You had Sage Surratt, who's about 6'3, 215, warming up without a shirt on, absolutely shredded. Mm. He's got abs that were just bulged down. And then Scotty Washington comes on over. Okay. Huge receiver. This kid's tall, broad, long, long arms. Every bit of 6'5, 220, just a good looking receiver. How does he move? Washington. Uh, well enough. I yeah. don't think he's got an extra gear to mm. take the top off, but he's really competitive, winning above the rim, catch point, red zone. Uh, and if you get a smaller corner on him, he's not afraid to put his butt on you and just kind of post you up. And Surratt is a redshirt sophomore? Redshirt sophomore, technically eligible. Yep. Um, but I hope he stays for another year or two. But he's definitely got the most upside as a receiver. He's 6'3", 215, right in the cream of the crop for an all-around mm. wide receiver technician. Can win in the route, at the catch point, after the catch. Maybe doesn't have the elite speed, but I think he wins enough with being a technician in combination with his God-given athleticism. We already spoke about uh, his upbringing, being an all-state player in basketball and football. Yep. And uh, just a really interesting athlete. Um it seems to me, just talking to you about this, about this team, you know, Dave Clawson, who's the head coach there, they've really kind of they've brought some talent in that if they come back, if they can keep all these guys here another year, they could make some noise next year. And when you go down the depth chart, it's really interesting. You just look at all the starters. Yeah. I think there was one that didn't have an R in front of his name. Interesting. So they're constantly getting kids in, sitting them down, adding weight to them, Mm. uh, developing them behind the scenes. And then hopefully they're ready to go when they're upperclassmen. So he's making a reference, obviously, to them being red shirts. If right. you look at a, on a college football roster, an R signifies redshirt freshman, redshirt mm-hmm. senior, redshirt junior, so and on. And NC so forth. State, very much similar. Yes, they like to get correct. kids in, sometimes undersize, and get them in the weight room, get them in that strength program, and, yep. and add some pounds to them. That was always something when I, you know, when I worked at Temple that I struggled with was watching uh, high school kids and being able to project. You know, okay, you know what, this kid uh, is a. 180 pound uh, running back, 
you know what? This kid looks like a defensive end. We're going to get him up to 265. And my mind would be blown. Right. And, uh, but that was, you get him in, and like their whole body just transforms right in front of you. And it, two years later, there he is, a 265-pound defensive end. You know, in studying these players for the NFL, I've kind of made it a, a habit to go back and look at their recruiting profile from mm. high school. And yep. just to see the way their body transformed. Right. To see D. Ford go from 190 to 250 at Auburn or Arden Key to go from 190 to 240, or Brian Burns did the same thing. Just to know who they were before they came in. And it also speaks a little bit to the strength program of the team they're on yeah. and to their own work ethic. Mm. And that they have to show up to these, you know, the workouts, they have to put on the pounds. It really does take a commitment to your diet mm. to put on pounds, especially when a team's looking at you and saying, you need 30 pounds or you're not playing. Yep. You know, it becomes, you have to be driven and you have to be really work at it. And the guys that maybe didn't get to that weight, maybe there's a reason for it. Maybe it's a work ethic thing. Maybe their body just isn't able to handle the extra weight. Yep. So just another piece of the equation uh, when evaluating these kids. Yeah, typically the the weight doesn't come on. Uh, it doesn't look great early. So you got to put on the bad weight first. You look right. a little bit doughy, and then, then now you have something to work And then with. just the whole conversation about going from college to the NFL, how much more weight can you pack on? Yeah. And sometimes you get maxed out in college, yep. and that can also be a detriment to you as well. So all pieces of the puzzle there. All right, well, let's talk about some other developmental players. Who's a guy that was a down-the-road freak show, a player uh, that you saw and you said, you know what, this guy's not eligible for 2020, but keep an eye on him for 2021, 2022, beyond. Yeah, I'm just going to go with both quarterbacks. So okay. NC State started a uh, true freshman, Devin Leary, was okay. back-to-back Gatorade Player of the Year in New Jersey. Mm. Um, really interesting kid. Obviously, the, the lights were hot for him in his first start here and had a couple nice throws, strong-arm kid. He's got some mobility. Uh, but, you know, just a name down the road there. NC State's going through some growing pains yeah. with the young players. No more Ryan Finley and Kelvin Harmon and Jacoby Myers and uh, that group. It's just crazy to think two years ago they had Bradley Chubb and Jones and B.J. Hill and Contravious Street and Naheem Josh Hines Jones. and Jalen Samuels yeah. on offense. So it was a good group. Ma- uh, Matthew Days was a yeah. nice running back and players all over that uh, yep. that team. So just speaks to the way they develop players and hopefully they have a new kind of crop coming behind them. And then Wake Forest, another young quarterback behind the scenes there, Sam Hartman, okay. was star of the QB1 show. I think in season two with Justin Fields, but I'm not positive. Okay, uh, but good looking player with a strong arm that maybe will be the uh, the starter behind Jamie Newman. You've uh, you like you like that? I I have to go back and watch it. It's, a, it's a fun show. Yeah, Netflix, there's there's right? been three seasons of it so far, and uh, if you like the behind the scenes kind of. Mm. Uh, peek into sports it's a high school kind of spin on things so not quite the college at last chance you not quite hard knocks or uh all or nothing type of model but just following these high school kids behind the scenes you could follow a tate martell or a justin fields or um a sam hartman here so interesting all right well let's uh let's get into to my takeaways from the week and obviously look it wasn't the biggest week of college football in terms of highlight games but you know the theme that we've hit on ever almost every week is like all right like you know, I try and take care of my stuff. I get, to, I sit down, and it's going to be the afternoon games, might be the noon games, might be the night games, whatever it is. I'm going to sit down, whatever the best game is. I'm going to sit and watch it. It almost always ends up being Oregon. And in this case, it ended up being Oregon because Oregon USC was on. And I'm like, all right, this is a really good, interesting matchup in the Pac-12. I just caught the end of Utah and Washington. Um, so I was like, all right, Utah gets a big win. They still have one loss on the year. Let's see if Oregon can kind of keep pace and build towards what could, should be a huge matchup for the Pac-12 when those two teams match up here in a few weeks. I'll tell you what, my game ball goes to to, uh, to Justin Herbert because, you know, they go on the road to USC. You've been to the Coliseum for USC, mm-hmm. uh, especially in that rivalry. That's a, a good atmosphere. 
They go down early. Ten, they're down ten on the road. He throws a pick. It was his first pick in like over two hundred attempts. wasn't the wasn't the best looking uh, visual there. Mm. It looked like it was a miscommunication with him and the receiver. So you saw some some adversity they had to go through. He took a couple of roughing the passer penalties. One of them in particular went really low, and he was down on the turf for a little bit. Had to come out of the game. Bounced back and was really, really efficient. Didn't make a ton of big-time throws, but made all the throws he needed to, and it was good to see him kind of bounce back in a game where things didn't go well early. I think that's kind of been the knock on him is that, you know, okay, when things look good, he looks good, but, you know, things can snowball for him. In this case, I thought it was really good on the road in a hostile environment to kind of come back and uh, against an aggressive defense. You've seen that group live, a yep. lot of young talent, mm-hmm. uh, to, for him to come back and play the way they did. It ended up being a boat race. I mean, it was at the end of the game, it was not even close, but uh, – uh, good to see him kind of bounce back in that atmosphere. Yeah, nice to see Juwan Johnson make a nice catch for him as well, too. He had too. three touchdowns in the game, They Juwan pulled him Johnson. in there to be a red zone kind of yeah. contested catch guy that's kind of fallen off to start the year, and uh, it was nice to see him uh, make a couple plays with the quarterback. So when USC had the ball, I wanted to kind of keep an eye, you know, because, look, we've talked about Michael Pittman and some mm-hmm. of the guys on that offense, Stephen Carr. Uh, Slovis got the starter quarterback. Yep. But there's been a lot of buzz about this USC left tackle, Austin Jackson. Yeah. So, you know, this is far from like a real study that we, you know, we'll do later. But uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of hone in on Austin Jackson. Let me just kind of watch him over the first quarter and a half, two quarters, just get a sense of him. He's got really strong hands, really violent hands, uh, really stout on contact. Um, I don't know about his foot quickness. That's something that it was t- a little tough for me to kind of gauge on TV, you know, trying to see what the, what it was from that angle. But uh, I'm excited to go back and watch. He looked really stout, really violent. Kind of funny story with that. I don't. I have Austin Jackson notes. They're not with me right now. Right. But I watched him by accident last year. I was trying yeah, to watch right. Shuma Adoga, <laughs> and I thought he was left tackle. I don't yep. know why. Every now and then I'll put on a guy before doing the put on his bio and look at his number and stuff. Yep. I saw he was left tackle, so I went and watched like two or three games and had notes that for him right. and everything and put up a clip on Twitter, and they're like, no, that's Austin Jackson. I'm like, <laughs> damn it. All right. Well. So I had to go back and restudy Chuma Adoga, but good to know I have some Austin Jackson notes huh, uh, by we default the, lying around. Yeah, I really did like him. Right. I put up a clip where he washed some speed rush way up the field. I'm like, this kid's legit. I like Chuma yeah. Adoga. And they're like, ah, oh, that's not him. Like, that's Yep. That's uh, that's pretty good. Every now and then that happens. That happens. You know how that goes. Uh, exactly right. All right, well, let's get into where you're heading this week because uh, you're going back to the Big 12. Yeah, Big 12 matchup. Where am I headed? You're going to Austin. Oh, yeah, we got Texas. <laughs> yeah, Kansas State, Texas. Oh, one last thing about the weight game. Uh, okay. First of all, Carlos Basham, right. number 44 on Dame Brugler's top 100 board. All right. But yeah. That was pretty high. Yeah. Uh, interesting. And then the other guy had a really nice game, Amari Henderson. Oh yeah, Redshirt, that's right. Redshirt senior, six one, one eighty five. Yep. I didn't know anything about him. Is he a safety? A corner. Six, he had four PBUs, okay. two picks, almost had a third pick uh, dancing along the sideline. Six tackles, a tackles for loss. I was watching this Assange Bossy kid, number twenty one, yeah. the other side, and this kid kept making play after Who, what's, play what's after the name? play. Amari Henderson. All right. Redshirt senior, so he's on his last year here. He's six one, one eighty five. Made a bunch of plays. Looked like he was playing with some confidence out there. I don't know anything about him, but you make a you know plays like that. Sheet, that's that's what that's what it's about. Put him on the watch list. You sure, know, no question. That's how you how you uh, earn a place on there. All right, well let's get to uh, Texas Kansas State. Uh, we'll start on the Texas side because certainly they've got uh, some of the bigger name prospects. Sure. I think yep. there was a lot of hope for the Longhorns. You know, uh, I think the clip that probably everybody, if you're a college football fan, you've heard ad nauseum, especially going into the season, was uh, Sam Ellinger saying, oh, "We're back." Right. But, uh, <laughs> that has not necessarily been the case for Texas so far this year. They've had a couple tough losses. But uh, who are you excited to see from the Longhorns? Well, I want to see these two senior receivers. Yep. Uh, Colin Johnson returned to school, probably could have come out last year, decided to stay. And then Devin DuVarnay. Now it's important to note 
two completely different style receivers. Yep. Colin Johnson outside, 6'5", 220. DuVarnay slot, 5'10", right around 200 pounds. Yep. Uh, so DuVarnay is really interesting. I like him a little bit more. He's short. He's stocky. He's got kind of a thick frame he does. for a slot receiver. Leading the country in slot receptions right now at 68, only one drop. Um, so he's definitely that reliable third down type of uh, security blanket for Ellinger. Yep. Uh, moving the sticks particularly. Doesn't have a whole lot of suddenness in his game. Doesn't have a whole lot of an extra gear to go get the ball. Uh, not a super explosive player. But he's just a guy that just you just want him on the field on third down. He has strong hands, can make catches in traffic. He's tough getting up the field after the catch. Mm. Not necessarily electric with the ball in his hands. He's he's like it's not the first five to ten yards with him. It's t- yards ten through fifteen, right. ten through twenty, where he gets that. So extra mentally, gear. I'm like, okay, I need a slot receiver that's a little bit thick. Yep. That isn't super explosive. Right. But runs pretty deliberate routes. Yep. And I'm just thinking. Man, that's a Heinz Ward type of player. Mm. Slot receiver, tough as nails, makes every grab. Yep. But is Heinz Ward any sort of exceptional athlete? Most people would say no. No, he was uh, wasn't Heinz Ward. He was like a third or fourth round pick, right? right? Yeah. I think former quarterback out of Georgia sure. had to yeah. convert to the slot there, or even like a Devon Bess at the University of Hawaii yep. made a lot of tough catches in Miami and Cleveland uh, in the late two thousands. There, not a super electric or an explosive slot player, but strong handed kid got up the field after the catch, fell forward, moving mm. the chains there. Other guys like a Jericho Cotri, Lance Moore, Muhammad Sanu style of player. Right. But Sanu is about 6'2. He's a little bit taller, yes. Much bigger player. Um, Jarvis Landry is probably a little more explosive. Yep. Um, I wrote down Debo when I was watching because Debo Samuel from last year. It's that type of body. Yeah. Yep. And I initially wrote down Randall Cobb. Yeah. You know, it's that type of body. Um, but I, th- I thought about Heinz Ward and Devon, Devon Bess. I almost had to like kind of revert myself to mm. a previous NFL era. Right. Because the slot receivers now are so quick twitch. Sure. Um, and I just don't think that's him. He's a strong player. He's a good player, but just not the typical slot that we're used to seeing these days. So he played outside last year. He, mo- he right. was mostly to the left side of the formation. Colin Johnson saw most of his reps to the right. Uh, coming into the year, Colin Johnson was in every round one mock draft. He was a top 15, top 20, top 25 pick. I think that's mostly cooled off up to this point. Yep. Uh, I, I agreed with you. I, I like DuVernay a little bit more um, just because I think he could do a little bit more for you. He's a good special teamer. Uh yeah, I love the toughness. I mean, at the very least, I think you're getting a good number four receiver, a good blocker. And I think he's got a little bit more upside in terms of what he can be for you a little bit as well. Yeah. Now, Colin Johnson, let's just dig into him really fast. Yes. And we have to have a kind of a talk about these six, five receivers, which he's caught this year in a group of very, very good receivers. It's Explosive a, it's a, yes. receivers. Yep. So the Alabama kids and Tylen Wallace, who just hurt himself, and CD Lambs of the world, and Sanal, and yep. Jalen Rieger, and KJ Hills, and I could literally just go on and on for about 20 other names yep. before I get to Colin Johnson. I loved everything about Hakeem Butler last year. Yep. I thought he won in the route, inside, outside, catch point, yards after catch, and he goes in the fourth round. Yep. I liked him exponentially more than Colin Johnson. Mm. Now, Colin Johnson's got some nice plays at the catch point. He's tall, he's long, makes some nice back shoulder plays. But if this is how the NFL views this style of player, and there seems to be a systemic issue with these six five receivers being productive in the NFL. I think like here's here's my thing though, because I agree with that point, except then I say, like, okay, well, what about like Devin Funches? Like right. Devin Funches went in round one, which you can argue whether or not okay, he should have gone that high, and he didn't get a second contract with the team that did take him, but right. it's, you know, he's 
He's been a starting NFL receiver. So I think like he is he like the exception to the rule? Because I agree with you. I think that there's a, a big discussion to be had about those big bodied guys that can't separate, right. but they can go up and win. Um that's a it's a really interesting debate. I mean, there's only so many Mike Evans on this planet. Yeah, you're so many guys freak. You're an alien. Six five, two thirty, yes. running four four. Exactly. Like that doesn't just walk around. Right. So Mike Evans is the exception. Yep. You know, the Doriel Green Beckhams of the world have some other things going on off field, yep. upstairs type of deal. So I don't know. You know, I have Malcolm Floyd, Auden Tate, Ramsey's Barden, you know, it's that type of player, but I just keep going back to how I felt about Hakeem Butler and just saying mm-hmm. if this is how the NFL views these guys, not to mention those 20 other receivers in this class that I like much more and that I think are more prototypical receivers to win in the NFL, I don't know where to put Colin Johnson in this yeah. draft class. It's going to be very, very interesting to see uh, how that pans out. I know you've got another guy uh, on the defensive side that you want to hit on with Texas as well. Brandon Jones. Yeah, safety. Brandon Jones. Yeah, really interesting safety senior. He returned. Uh, he probably could have come out last year. He's a track and field star, which you love to see from those mm. defensive backs. 100 meters, the relays as well. Um, it's getting close to 30 starts the last two seasons. Missed some time last year, but uh, was defensive player of the year in Texas in high school. Uh, I'm not sure which class he was in. There's yep. a million classes in Texas there, but uh, just interested to see him this weekend. Keep an eye out. Uh, I think he was hurt. I don't know if he's back yet. Caden Stearns, I think is the first name. Caden gotcha. Stearns that name is a true familiar. sophomore gotcha. okay. uh, who was freshman All-American last year. When I was watching, gotcha. um, what was the kid's name? Uh, Boyd last year, the corner yeah, for Boyd, Texas. Yeah. This kid st- stood out with his range, made some big plays outside the outside the numbers. Uh, he could be a uh, down the road freak show uh, candidate for you. Uh, okay. Stearns, who's There's a true sophomore. There's always some studs at those programs. No question. But also, we, should, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about uh, Samuel Cosme, the left tackle. Yeah, really interesting player. He's only a redshirt sophomore right yep. now. But, uh, you know, just talking about Dane's big board, he has him at number 66 right now. Really yeah. good-looking kid, 6'7", 300 pounds. Coming out of high school, he was really undersized. He was mm-hmm. like 260. Power 5 schools were not looking at him. He was going to go to Houston. Yep. Tom Herman recruited him at Houston. Herman goes to Texas, brings him with him, sits him down for a year, packs on 40 pounds. Yep. Looks like a really good player. Kind of reminds me of like a, uh, almost like an Eric Fisher okay. type of player there. Okay. Um, maybe not so much about the athleticism of Bakhtiari, but that that style of player. Um, interesting player. He played right tackle last year, holding down the left tackle spot this year, wearing number 52, looking yep. like a Connor Williams, who apparently was like look like that. a yep. good mentor for him when he was a redshirt. Okay. Um, so just really interested to, uh, to watch him. All right, well, let's get over to the Kansas State side. Who are you excited to see for the, uh, the Wildcats? Yeah, Kansas State, you know, kind of going through some program changes here. And uh, Skylar Thompson's a really exciting quarterback with some yep. mobility there. No more Dalton Risner. No more uh, was Alex Barnes out yeah, there. Yeah, that's right. Good call. ton of yards yep. uh, in that backfield. But Scott France, the left tackle, is really interesting. He's got 40 starts at left tackle. Mm. He was the first true freshman left tackle to start there since 1988. Mm. And this was in 2016, yep. obviously. Dalton Risner came out, was a center initially. Right. Was going to move to left tackle until this true freshman said, whoa, whoa, whoa pump the brakes there. I got uh, this is my spot. I and got moved, you, da- moved Dalton over to right tackle. Yep. Um, also interesting off the field story, you know, announcing he was a homosexual. Yep. Um, just, uh, I guess, did that in a really kind of unique way with the team. And uh, everyone's really embraced yeah, that. Awesome. And, um yeah, it's been great, but he's a really strong kid. He's powerful, loves the grip strength, wants to torque defenders once he gets his hands on you. A little bit of a tight-hipped guy. Yep. Has trouble kind of redirecting inside moves and kind of running the arc there. I think he might be a better fit kicking inside. Okay. Almost like a uh, Xavier Suofila coming out of UCLA. Interesting comp. Kind of right. reminds me almost like Evan Mathis. 
um, who okay. held down the guard spot for the Philadelphia yeah, Eagles and the Broncos sure. for a little bit, or even like a J.C. Treader played some tackle at Cornell, right? Moved to center, moved to guard, moved and to now guard, has now been center, center in Cleveland for sure. a number of years. So sure, that type of play, uh, that type of player, really interesting body type though. He's got this big belly on him. His Calves and ankles are really kind of barreled. That's and how thick. Risner was built. They're too. all had built like, like yeah, that. Right, there, when right. you look across the line, I don't know if it's just how they're spat in their ankles. It's literally like you cut off his knee, cut off his leg at the knee, and just put a cinder block. They there. all like, have that's knee braces. Like. Yeah. They all have a lot of spat on yeah. their their ankles and feet. Mm. So it might just be the aesthetics and the optics <laughs> right, of it, yeah. for all I know. Yep. Um, but it just looks like a really thick kid and uh, you know, really strong kid. Yeah, and you've got uh, Denzel Goolsby as well. Yeah, another interesting player. This kid might end up being a better pro. He's been kind of played all over the place at Kansas. State from safety and nickel. He's even played a little bit of offense as running okay. back and returner. Was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Kansas. Uh, his cousin's DeAndre Goolsby, the former, former tight Florida end from tight Florida. End. I liked him, yeah. Yeah. Um, and apparently Goolsby's had some issues in his personal life as well. Their dad okay. kind of left the family when he was in high school and really had to kind of take care of his brothers oh, wow. and his mom. Uh, apparently had some tough living conditions and things mm. like that. So always like hearing a player's dealing with adversity off the field. No doubt. Yep. Um, He's a really athletic player in space and was a first-team All-Academic Big 12 last year. Good kid, leader, senior. Just uh, excited to see him. You were watching him. It looked, he looked long. Yeah. yeah. Arm, arms hanging down to his yeah. knees, can make any play out to the numbers like in the that. alley and that. Um, just need to figure out where he kind of fits right now. He's 5'11", 200 pounds. Mm. I don't think he's the caliber of player of a uh, Desmond King. Okay. But it's that type of mold uh, that, would, that would be his upside. All right, well, let's, uh, I'm going to get into my matchup here for this weekend. And um, look, we're, I'm going to talk a little bit later with Tony about Alabama LSU. Actually, before I even get into my matchup, uh, I want to get you on the record. Alabama LSU, you saw the tide up close this year. Uh, who do you like winning this game? Yeah, it's so tough, especially with the condition of Tua yep. and uh, the way LSU secondary is playing. I want to see those corners up against those Bama I know. I know. receivers. I'm going to go Alabama. Yep. I'm going to say 24-21. Yeah, I, li- I like Alabama in this game, too. Um, I think especially with what Auburn was able to put on film, uh, and with Nick Saban having a couple weeks there to kind of stew on that, uh, I, I kind of think Alabama And I'll go even further, and I think the impact play of the game okay. will be from one of the defenses. All right. Okay, I think somebody's defense needs to make a huge play yeah. and kind of turn the tides. I think it might. I, who knows? And I don't know which side it's going to be. Obviously, I'm going to lean towards Alabama's yeah. defense making a play, and obviously make my prediction correct. Sure, but, right. Um, just not really sure yet. Yeah, I, th- I kind of think Alabama's going to come away with this one. They're going to find a way. But and that might be a game they play a hundred times. They each win fifty. There's, sure, there's studs on both sides. They're each playing really well. Um, I have no allegiance or any sort of, of uh, interest in either team winning. Right. Uh, just a game you want to watch, though. Uh, so the other big one this week, or one of the when big is that game on, by the way. That one, that I believe game? it's a it's seven. Be night. Okay, so, good. Uh, which I'm hoping. I so I've got my like afternoon from like three thirty on cleared. I just got scared. I was worried about my game, no. which I think is two thirty local, three thirty Eastern. Okay, you, so I we think should be off be the right. air, yeah, and I'm so. leaving Sunday, so we'll be in good shape. So it's gonna be me and the baby from like four o'clock on. Okay. So he's going to be catching some of the later games, and then he'll be going to bed right when uh, Alabama LSU kicks off. You got to set up like a kind of a test before the game, like a Bama toy and an LSU toy, and see which one he crawls to. (laughs) We'll figure it out. All right. right, So the the other big one this week, uh, there is uh, there's a few big ones actually, but not one of the other big ones: Minnesota against Penn State. And I think one interesting thing to look at here for this one, uh, you've got Rodney Smith, the Minnesota. The Minnesota's got a nice run game. Rodney um, Smith is still there? He's still there. He's like a, an eighth-year senior. All right. um, but he's there for the Gophers' run game. And, and to me, if they're going to win this game, I think they got to get those guys going and kind of control the clock. Uh, Penn State's offense isn't great, but they're expecting some snow. or expecting some weather there okay. uh, in this game. So I kind of think, um, you know, hey, Minnesota at home, 
establish the run. Rodney Smith going up against this Penn State defensive front seven. Uh, you know, Yator Gross Matos, uh, Cam Brown, that's a Nickel Sam linebacker, really big, long kid that plays out in space but can be an impact player against the run. We've talked in the past about the sophomore linebacker Micah Parsons, uh, who uh, Ross Tucker in, in the preseason compared to like a Saquon Barkley slash uh, right. LeVar Arrington comp. So uh, you turn to talk about freak athletes kind of at the linebacker Franken- spot. Yeah, what are they doing that? out yeah, there? Right. But, uh, you know, Robert Windsor, a senior defensive tackle. So uh, that's kind of the matchup for me in this game is that defensive front seven for Penn State going up against this Minnesota run game. Um, I haven't watched uh, Rodney Smith, though. Have you, have you like, watched I think I have all? notes on him somewhere. I thought he came out last year. Okay. He, I think he was given like two years of injury exemption yeah, he eligibility. Yeah, at least one, for sure. I swear I did a game of his like five years ago when Mitch Leidner was a quarterback. Mitch Leidner. I can't believe he's still there. He was in round one mock drafts in the spring. I think the Rodney spring Smith lost carries to David Cobb one year. I think he was sharing was like with like La- him ago. and Lawrence Moroni like came into the same high school right. class. But yeah, definitely check out for the weather there. I'm sure PJ Flex making it rain with that new contract. He well, got. I'm pretty sure they're, they are expecting a little bit of snow. Okay, good. Yeah, the same snow that's in uh, that's in Green Bay right now is making its way over there. Right, as long as it's not in Austin this weekend, well, we're I good. think I think you're going to be safe. All right, uh, let's get into the Senior Bowl. I saw it talked about at the top of the show. It's always exciting the first week when those those first uh, set of announcements come through. There's been, I think it's 14 guys. So we're not going to like dive super deep into each, but I thought, you know what? Uh, the two of us, why don't we just kind of give quick little elevator speeches, what we thought. And if there's a longer yeah. discussion to be had, we'll, we'll talk about it. First one, uh, Cal Safety, Ashton Davis, 6'1", 201 pounds. Uh, quick thoughts on Ashton Davis. Haven't really done a full study on him. Okay. I know he's a track star off the field. Yes. He's got some really good athleticism and speed. Yep. I'm not sure his fit at the, the next level. Yep. Um, I think he needs to get stronger. Um, and I'm not really sure if he's going to be a true safety or a guy that can come down and maybe guard some tight ends. Yeah, I watched him in the summer, so I haven't done the senior film yet, but this kid's an explosive athlete. The track yep. stuff carries through for sure. Uh, I mentioned the interception I saw watching TV, the TV copy of uh, the Oregon game where he just looked so fluid with the ball in his hands. He's, mm. he's a legit athlete, um, so he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Former corner, right. made the move over to safety. Uh, I do worry a little bit about the instincts, being able to key and diagnose, things like that, but very high upside uh, free safety post player type uh, there for the Cal Bears. All right, uh, let's go with another Cal Bear, Evan Weaver. I mean, I would argue, and, and Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Senior Bowl, has said this: it, maybe no player has improved himself, has improved his stock more than Evan Weaver this year, uh, based off what I studied. I haven't studied again. I haven't looked at this Cal defense so far in this in the uh, on tape in the fall, but um, this kid has been really really productive. Yeah, apparently he's down like 20 pounds and admitted he was eating terribly, had a bad diet, wasn't taking care of himself, and really kind of got himself into gear. Apparently he's down 15, 20 pounds. Looks lighter on the field and it's an absolute tackling machine. He was, wearing that ugly number 89 at linebacker. He uh, he had like it was just a barrel, like it was a, literally like a refrigerator with feet at middle yeah. linebacker. Like you don't see guys that body type uh, typically. Typically in today's uh, today's game, but um, look, I mean, he's got versatility to be able to come off the edge as a pass rusher as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, started his career there as a defensive end, so uh, I'm excited to watch him and love seeing the, the the story there of his ability to turn that around. All right, uh, let's go to Vanderbilt SEC. They'll start with the receiver Kalijah Lipscomb. I know you saw them live a year ago. Yep. Uh, what are your thoughts <laughs> on Lipscomb? Yeah, I think he was top three in the SEC in catches, yards, touchdowns, and you know he's kind of the unsung hero in the SEC as far as receiver. Everybody looked at you know. Uh, Judy and those guys in Alabama and the LSU receivers, yep. but 
Clyde Lipscomb is a really good player. He's a strong-handed kid, more of a possession receiver. Yep. Doesn't have a whole lot of juice, to, you know, over the top, but a guy that can kind of win within the route, like Derek Mason style. Right. Not not like a dynamic athlete, but he's got subtle quickness, very reliable uh, at the catch point. I like to see him get a little bit stronger through contact, but uh, overall, I thought he was a nice possession slot receiver. You know, he reminds me a little bit of uh, Keyshawn Johnson from Fresno State we studied last mm. year. And high-volume kid, yep. really quiet in the bowl game, goes to the Senior Bowl, looks really good on one-on-ones, absolute yep. technician, and he's having a nice little career with the Arizona Cardinals. Just had his first career touchdown last week. So uh, Louisiana Lafayette offensive lineman Robert Hunt, I'm going to break him down a little bit here on the scouting report segment, but, uh, yeah, an interesting player, to, to say the least. Yeah, and apparently that was the one guy Nagy's crew didn't watch a snap of live. Right. They loved his tape so much that they extended the offer, and we uh, buzzed through his tape yesterday. Pretty yep. exciting kid there. He's not. Uh, he was not on the Senior Bowl watch list coming into the year either. Unless right. my notes are wrong on that, he was not on the watch list. I don't list. think he was. Yeah. Uh, so co- went from watch list to or not being on the watch list to being one of the first acceptances, which right. is pretty cool. Which is also a good sentiment for everybody to know. If you don't make the watch list, right. it doesn't mean you're not being watched. Yeah, right. Or exactly that you right. can't, you know, get in front of somebody's eyes or steal somebody's attention. So yeah, absolutely, you know, just because you're not on that list to start the year doesn't mean you can't make the Senior Bowl. So a couple of guys on this list that I have not yet watched, one of them is South Carolina State offensive lineman Alex Taylor. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on no, I mean, him. I can, I can make something up if uh, you need. We don't need to make anything up. <laughs> uh, another small school kid I do, who I do know of is Southern Illinois defensive back, a safety, Jeremy Chin. Um, he is from. That name the sounds familiar. I might have his bio info. I don't think I've studied him. Yeah, though. he. I know. I, I know. There's been a lot of buzz about this kid. There's mm-hmm. another small school safety that I have watched that has a lot of upside. We'll get to him in a, in a bit here. But uh, those are the two names that I have not watched yet from the initial acceptances. But let's stay with Vanderbilt here. Uh, running back Keyshawn Vaughn. Explosive. I mean, that's mm-hmm. that's the name of the game for this kid. Yeah, really good player. Did his game last year against Florida. Had an awesome first quarter. I think he took a run 70 yards, a screen 70 yards, and then got hurt uh, and really kind of took the, the wind out of that Vanderbilt offense there. But really good player. He might yep. end up being a better pro. Illinois transfer, goes to Vanderbilt. Right. Uh, pass protection was a concern for me. Well, yes. That was one issue that I had watching him on film. Uh, then also the tight end, Jared Pinkney. We talked all summer about, hey, they, there's these skill guys down at Vanderbilt. Keep an eye on. Pinky, Pinkney, Limscomb, and uh, and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, all three going in the Senior Bowl. You know, people may say, oh, you know, I like the Grant Calcaterras of the world or I like Harrison Bryant's of the world. Yep. Pinkney puts his hand in the ground. Pinkney's yep. 260. Yep. Pinkney's a guy that will block for you in line. Yep. He's got big, soft pillow mitts that will pluck balls Great in the red zone. Skills. And no yeah. question. Yep. Uh, he's big. and He's got a big butt on him. That thing waddles down the seam. and. Right. Uh, you know, he could really put it, that kind of size on linebackers and safeties and, yep. you know, win at the catch point. He's not a guy that I would say he's not as dynamic as, like, O.J. Howard, if we're talking about no, three-down yeah. players. So I don't think he's going to be He doesn't move like an O.J. Howard no, either. No, he's yeah. not that kind of an athlete. But uh, he's going to play in the NFL. No like, question. No, yep. no, no question about it. Um, Harrison Bryant, another tight end. Yep. He's a little bit – I don't want to say the opposite, but this kid is a fluid, smooth athlete. Yep. Uh, everything he does is really he's fluid. Leading the country in receptions by tight ends yeah, right now. I think uh, so. Florida Atlantic did last year as well. I think he had 50-something catches. Lane Kiffin really knows how to get him down the field and yep. that kind of spread out offense. Not a sharp route runner. And at his size, there's going to be questions about his ability to play in line, but he does get after it as a blocker, really aggressive at the point of attack. If you watch uh, his game against Ohio State, they played them week one. Dude, he like got, he showed in that game because he knows everyone's watching that film. Right, he'll he'll get after people. And those those uh, Sam linebackers out in space, the safeties, the nickel corners. He was getting after. I think I had a comp written down. It might be like Jacob Tammy or something. Oh, right. I remember him with the Colts yeah, a couple years Colts. ago. Yeah. yeah, interesting, very interesting. Um, all right, then we got uh, Davion Taylor, linebacker mm. from Colorado. 
Really interesting story. Oh, you, you write down outside linebacking track star? I'm in. Yeah, let me let me watch this kid's tape. And that's what he is. He was a track star. Didn't play high school football because of family yeah. religious reasons and the yep. day that the games were play, uh, being played on. Uh, ended up going JUCO. Was a highly touted JUCO linebacker. A bunch of teams wanted. Ended up going to Colorado there. Yeah, he walked on to his co- the, the JUCO team mm-hmm. having never played and ended up being a starter by the end of his freshman year. Right. Uh, and he, I think Jim Nagy said on Twitter, will run better than most corners. Yes. Uh, his speed, it, it definitely shows up on film. But there's going to be questions about his ability to you know, play through contact and things like that. It's going to be a question for him. Telvin Smith's kind of a good comp projection to how Telvin came out of, was it Florida State? Florida State. Being very undersized but ex- an explosive player. Yep. And I think Taylor can be a similar. That'll be the question, though, is for me, if, if when you talk about like Telvin and like Deion Jones and guys like that, is those guys lined up in the box. They defeated blocks inside. Yep. Like they showed the ability to play in a confined space. This guy spent most of his time uh, out in the you know out in the uh, in the slot you know down the seam. So it'll be interesting uh, to see his development. Uh, a couple more guys here. Uh, Lenore Ryan. I've never heard of Lenore Ryan before this kid. Uh, strong safety. Kyle Duggar, 6'1", 218 pounds. Dude, I watched this kid in the in the summer. He is long. He's explosive. He's violent. He's really fun to watch. He's just all, coming from D2. There's going to be questions. Right, you know, he's got to adapt to the speed of the game and things like that. And he's a little bit wild and out of control when he f- tries to finish for tackles. But the upside is there. I mean, this kid, he could be a three-down player at safety. I just like that these games aren't all Power 5 kids. Yeah. You know, go get your D2 kids, some D3 kids, yep. maybe a couple FCS kids as well, and just really give them a stage to prove their skills in, in kind of a vacuum. Yeah. You know, you get kind of lost being part of the D2 crowd, and maybe you don't have that caliber of talent around you, or you're playing against that high caliber of talent. To get an opportunity to come to the Senior Bowl, being from Lenore Ryan, I mean, that's awesome. That's cool. I mean, I, I will say this. This kid's like, he will belong in this game. Like he's gonna show, like, oh yeah, like this kid's got the I love seeing the, the Alex Kappas at Humboldt yep. or Ali Marpet's from, uh, where is he from? Uh, Mar- Marpet was from, uh, who? I forget where he was from. Man, it was like five I was about years to say Hogwarts, now. but uh, Hobart. Hobart. Hobart That's College in New York, yeah. Western New York. I know, obviously, it's not Hogwarts. Hogwarts. <laughs> uh, he couldn't get into Hogwarts. Well, <laughs> I couldn't get into Hogwarts. Yeah, I mean. um, but I think when you look at uh, this kid, it's going to be. And if, uh, by the way, the senior bar, I love what they're doing this year with like the announcements. Mm-hmm. It's not just that they put up a graphic with like height and weight and like, oh, here's the deal. They have all these videos that they're making with the kids, like when they find out or how they get invited. So with like NFL alumni or uh, just cool. The one with Duggar uh, was like the coach announcing announcing it to the whole roster, and like you had the whole video. It was almost like the walk on video. I know there's see. a whole like team of people down there now yeah. with Jim Nagy, and they've done a great job on social awesome. media and the graphics and the graphic designing and those videos. But yep. in my mind, I just picture it's a one man crew, and Jim Nagy's <laughs> like calling players, watching tape, editing film. He's on Photoshop making the graphics. Um, but I know there's a lot of people uh, on his team down there, and they've done a really good job uh, since he's taken over the last, I don't know, was it calendar Couple year? Years. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, one other guy I actually have not watched yet. Have you watched the Purdue tight end, Bryson Hopkins? He's gotten some buzz. I think so, but I do not recall uh, my notes on him. So he's 6'4", 240. I know the guys of the Draft Network are really high on him. Gil Brandt said he was his number one tight end coming into right, the year. That's right, yeah. Um, so he's, I know he's gotten some buzz. Uh, I just have not studied him yet, so I'll be studying him soon. Uh, Liberty, they've got a big receiver. Uh, Antonio Gandy-Golden. I watched two games. Um, this kid's big, 6'4", 216. Yep. We talked about the big, big kids earlier with like Colin Johnson. He moves better than those guys do. Yeah. Now, does he move like um, like is he going to run four three or low four four? Is probably not. But 
he moves pretty well, yeah. and he's pretty good at the catch point. I mean, his his size and strength is pretty impressive. I think it reminded me a little bit of Kenny Galladay coming out of Northern Illinois. Yes, that's kind of how he moves. In the way he's won with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, I no mean, doubt. 20 yard, I love that. 20 yard receptions this year. Yep. Ganny Golden leads the country. Yeah. 50 yard receptions. Ganny Golden leads the country. This guy is a big time receiver, and look up his numbers from last year as well. When you start sorting through those 20 yard catches. It's the who's who of college football studs. Yeah. It's Jerry Judy. It's Tylen Wallace. It's Gandy Golden. It was Hakeem Butler. Um, so any top receiver in that, he's right in the mix. So Liberty, big name prospect. Yep. I love the Kenny Galladay comp. I, I wrote that down. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna carry that with me to my. You notes. know these in the Senior Bowl for maybe a Liberty receiver. Yep, is huge. huge. Yes. And if he goes and he looks the part. We're talking a potential third, fourth rounder suddenly into top day 50. two, yep. you know, and uh, no doubt. you know to have a stage to go against some of those top corners, big opportunity, no question. And then last one, a guy that I actually professed my love for a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago here on the show is uh, the Clemson safety Kavon Wallace, five eleven, two hundred five. Some names I wrote down watching him: Avante Maddox, M.J. Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, Glover Quinn, Jimmy Ward. Nice, yeah. He's a, a, a cover safety who really excels near the line of scrimmage in the box. So to, to me, he is like today's ver- he's today's strong safety. Uh, he's really built for today's I feel like game. He's been at Clemson forever too. They've yeah, been, he's, uh, I think he's a three-year starter. I remember him in the playoff games yep. for the past like three, four years with Deshaun Watson, and I remember that Ohio State game. Um, yeah, he's been out there with a number of different people in the secondary with yep. him, whether it's like Cordrea Tankersley out there or um, who's the kid that went to Minnesota? The kid who went to Minnesota from Clemson. Oh, um, the big safety. Mackenzie Alexander. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, that, that kid. Yes, oh, uh, Jaron Curse as well. Curse, right. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like I picture him with like different eras of Clemson DBs, but yep. he's just been there for five years. Dude, so. He's he's a he's a good player. He's yeah. a really good football player. Um, you know, we've talked about Isaiah Simmons and some of the concerns we've got with him. I think when you look at Kevon Wallace, this kid's a football and player. And it's also something to be said, these guys at these powerhouse programs with a lot of turnover, that there's some young five stars coming in that, you know, Dabo wants to promise playing time to. And the fact that these some of these older kids still hold it down. Yep. It's impressive, that, you know, to come not come off the field there. The no, the negatives I've got for him, size and speed. So yeah. he's not like this like big flashy guy. Right. The question is going to be like, oh, like if you if you send a slot receiver vertical with him, what's going to happen? I don't like this guy can play. Like yeah. this, this. I mean, people said the same thing about Desmond King, who was another guy I probably put in that same list. Yep. Uh, this guy, this guy's built for today's game. Fourteen guys. It's this is fun. I love yeah, this time of year. We start kind of getting into some of these names, and, and we'll do that over the course uh, of the next few weeks. And hopefully, we'll have Jim Nagy on the show uh, again soon. I but. say, like, hold my breath that I'd heard of some of these guys. The Senior Bowl yeah, is pretty good. pretty good. Once those Shrine games start coming out of the NFL, Shrine PA. Bowl. The Shrine they re- Bowl, they or whatever re- it is. They rebranded, so oh, it's, really? not, it's okay. not the Shrine Game anymore. Is they're, they're now the Shrine Bowl. Well, I got to play catch up. Well, you got to catch up. I know you're you're busy yeah. off, and you know you don't even know where you're going this weekend. No, I got to no. remind you that you're we going might have Rutgers stuff. next week. I got a lot going on here. Well, they at least don't have to get on a plane. For yeah. That one. yeah. All right. Sure. Well, uh, Ben, appreciate the time here. We will talk to you about uh, Texas Kansas State next week. You know it. Well, great stuff from Ben. You could follow him again on Twitter at. Ben Fennel underscore NFL. Appreciate everybody that promotes all this podcast on all forms of social media, uh, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, wherever. But the number one way to support the show is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. I should have said this at the top of the show. I try to remember to do it at the top of the show. Don't always remember to do it at the top of the show, but uh, go on wherever you listen. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. It's the best way to throw us your support. Uh, we, again, we appreciate everything you guys do on social media, but the best way to kind of boost us up the rankings and make it visible as more and more people are looking uh, towards the NFL draft process. Maybe their teams around the league are starting to fall off uh, in terms of the standings and they're looking ahead to see how they can improve for 2020. 
that's the best way for them to get their eyes uh, and ears on the show is for you to go on and leave a comment, leave a rating, boost us up the rankings just a little bit. All right, let's get to the next segment of the show. Time for Draft Buzz here with Tony Pauline. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. Well, joining us once again here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA, our good friend Tony Pauline from the Pro Football Network, the draft analyst extraordinaire. Tony, uh, welcome back to the show here for another segment of Draft Buzz. And we're going to start, we usually talk about players to start things off, but I'm interested to get your thoughts. You know, we've got more coaching movement. We saw uh, Willie Taggart was let go at Florida State. Rutgers is also open, so two Power Five jobs are already open. It's only a matter of time, unfortunately, but before we start to seeing uh, some of the same things happen in the NFL as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season. So I'm interested to get your thoughts. Obviously, you're talking with people all across the country. Are you hearing anything in terms of names from college that could jump to the NFL in terms of the coaching ranks? Yeah, right now, uh, I think one of, the, one of the coaches that's going to be the hottest candidate uh, in the offseason, one team start look, teams in the NFL specifically start looking for coaches, is Matt Rule of Baylor. Teams in the league absolutely love this guy, and I think they're going to start. They're going to line up for his services. Remember, Rule almost had the Jets job last year, except the Jets wanted to handpick his his assistant coaches. He said no way. He stayed at Baylor. You look at what he's done at that Baylor program, basically resurrecting it from a point where people thought the the program itself should have been shut down. He's known as a terrific offensive mind. He's done a great job with the quarterback down there. He's got, he has NFL experience. I know you're familiar with him from his days at Temple when he did a great job with that program. But Matt Rule right now is one of the hottest names that I expect will be the, one of the hotter names as far as not only college, but NFL coaching searches are concerned once the season's over, if not beforehand. I mean, I could absolutely see a team like the Cleveland Browns who are probably going to be looking for a new coach at the end of the season, uh, you know, lining up to, uh, to, bring Matt, to potentially bring Matt Rule in. Yeah, I mean, Matt is Matt's an awesome coach, and just seeing you know seeing the success that he's continued to have down in Waco, it's been a lot of fun to watch, and how much he's turned that program around. He's been on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, uh, just this past summer. Uh, a longtime friend in this business, so really excited for his success moving forward. All right, uh, let's talk about some players now. We do we actually had on Monday uh, some pretty big news, I and mean, you don't typically see two relatively big-name seniors leave their programs uh, so late in the regular season, Tony, but we got exactly that. Two programs from the SEC. Uh, Arkansas tight end C.J. O'Grady, who Ben just saw a couple weeks ago live down at Arkansas versus Alabama, potentially the best name uh, on that Arkansas roster. He is now gone off that team uh, after being suspended a week ago. And then Michael Divinity, the, the leading sacker for LSU in that defense, ahead of the matchup with Alabama, he's not with the program. Now, Ed Ordron, the head coach for LSU, did leave the door open a little bit, saying that he could potentially return. But what are you hearing about these two uh, these two moves here? And then also, what, where are scouts out on both of those players coming into the year? How are they seen from a league-wide standpoint? Well, I'm not. Re- <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm not really hearing all that much, other mm-hmm. than the guys have been disappointing on the field and they didn't really have consistent production. I mean, with Divinity, he was just going to have trouble seeing the field because LSU's got got the starters in front of him, and you know he may have just been fed up. He came into the season graded as barely draftable. He's got average size, speed numbers, six one and a half, two hundred forty five pounds. Plays in the four eights. You know, a guy who's that short and really isn't known as a run stuffer is going to have problems at the next level, isn't going to go very high at all in the draft if he's drafted. And I think he's a fourth-year senior. He's played four games already, so 
obviously a, a transfer to a different program out the window. Uh, and I, I think his draft stock is out the window in the sense that he won't be selected. O'Grady's a guy who came into the uh, season graded as a six-round pick. I still have him as a six-round pick. He's got outstanding measurables, 6'3 and a half. 258 pounds, uh, runs and plays in, in the low four uh, sevens. He's got long arms and he's got big hands. The problem with him is he's more bark than he is bite. I mean, he's never been overly productive. Had, 30, had 33 receptions for 372 yards and just three TDs in Arkansas's nine games this year. A year ago, 30 receptions for 400 uh, yards receiving and six TDs. So with O'Grady, it's one of these situations where you just were waiting and waiting for him to bust out and really have some big-time production. It never came to fruition. I think he's going to be a late-round pick, primarily because of the size, speed numbers, and the upside potential. But he's a guy that he's got to start producing real quick uh, in camp once he gets in there next summer, or he's going to be looking for a new line of work. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, we made the comparison to Dawson Knox when Ben and I talked to him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, you talk about it from a size standpoint, the lack of production, uh, you know, maybe not quite the athlete that Knox was at Ole Miss last year, but uh, an interesting comparison nonetheless. All right, uh, let's get into somebody who's helped their stock. Who's your stock up option here this week for the segment? Well, it's got to be Andrew Thomas, the left tackle from Georgia. You know, there's been nothing but primarily bad news coming from the uh, tackle class, the Lucas Nang injury. Uh, the uh, Walker Little injury, Tristan Wirfs, you know, leaning towards returning to school. It's now so it's time for some good news from that position. And Andrew Thomas has been a standout. I mean, you look at what they did against Florida this week. Basically, shut down Grenard and Zaniga. Did not have a single sack in that game. Uh, either of those guys. In fact, the entire Gator offense did not have a sack. Kept his quarterback upright and clean. Very athletic. Terrific footwork. Still a little bit raw and rough around the edges in some areas. But right now, he's my number one tackle. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be, is going to be the purest left tackle prospect mm. as we move towards the 2020 draft. And he continually, continually gets better. It's sort of a competition between him and his uh, right tackle partner, Isaiah Wilson, who's also an outstanding tackle prospect. Uh, and I think a guy who could go late first round. I'm hearing that uh, Thomas is expected to enter the draft. I haven't heard otherwise. And when he enters the draft, he's going to be a high pick. When I say high pick, I think he's going to be a top 15, top 12 selection next April. Yeah, I will say with my limited exposure to him, he certainly looks like that level of prospect, certainly a blue-chip level player. All right, Tony, let's get into a small school player. We talk about uh, someone from the cream of the crop in the SEC with Andrew Thomas, who's someone uh, outside the Power Five that fans should definitely be aware of because this is the time of year where some of those guys start to get a little bit more buzz on a national scale. Yeah, keep an eye on Chris Williams, the defensive tackle from Wagner. A couple years ago, we saw one of their offensive tackles who stood out in the uh, Shrine game in the Senior Bowl and ended up getting selected late in the draft. Well, now it's the other side of the ball, Chris Williams. He goes about uh, 6'2 and a half, 310 pounds. He's got 50 tackles this year, 8.5 tackles uh, for loss, even though the fact is Wagner's 1-8 and eight this year. I mean, Williams is a guy who came into the season graded as a street-free agent, which basically meant that scouts thought, you know, he may get an invite to camp. But he's really stepped up his game. And you look at that size, you look, look at the production, if he puts in semi-decent testing numbers, I absolutely think there's a chance that Williams can slide into the very late rounds, the very ending rounds of the draft. I think we'll see him in the postseason. I don't know if it's the Shrine game, but I think absolutely the NFLPA game at the very least. And when you get a guy that big that's got that kind of production, especially on a team that's been that bad, it tells you that he's playing hard every down. 
each scout's got to take up, stand up and take notice of them. So Chris Williams, the defensive tackle from Wagner, is, is a small school sleeper to keep an eye on. Yeah, certainly a guy that's produced here late in the season or late in his career uh, to kind of get on the radar. And I think another guy you could say that about is the Arizona State wide receiver, Brandon Ayuk. We've talked about him a little bit. Uh, a junior college transfer, was a backup most of the year last year with Arizona State, sitting behind Nikhil Harry, who went in the first round. Now he's in the spotlight. And uh, there was a really interesting stat that Pro Football Focus had put out. Uh, and this is actually goes hand in hand with the unfortunate news we got last week out of Oklahoma State, where Tylen Wallace, the game-breaking wide receiver there, he's lost for the year with a, a knee injury that he suffered in practice. So with Wallace out, Brandon Ayuk now leads all active FBS wide receivers with his yards after catch. And that was certainly something that stood out to me with Ayuk on film. What have you heard about Brandon Ayuk and kind of how he's viewed right now? Because I know he was a little bit under the radar as a backup entering his senior season, but certainly has, seems to have turned some heads at this point. Absolutely. I mean, his his 2018 tape was uh, pretty good, although, as you said, I mean, Nikhil Harry was the primary target there at Arizona State. Came in this season with a six-round grade. He's definitely elevated uh, that. Uh, the thing about it is he's shown improvement in all areas of his game. He's a terrific route runner. He's, he's got dependable hands. He gets separation. You know, on, on this podcast, we talk about all these big receivers who can't separate. Ayuk can separate. That's, that's for sure. And, and then he turns that separation at reception to yards after the catch. A little bit undersized in the sense he's under six foot tall, which I think is going to hurt his draft stock a bit. It depends on how he runs. I mean, scouts right now think he's an upper four four guy, four seven four four seven four seven eight. If he runs really fast, I can see him uh, moving into that potentially that third round area along with good performances uh, at the Senior Bowl, which I'm sure he'll get an invite to, yeah. assuming he's healthy and he can play. Uh, I, right now, I think he's more of a fourth round guy. You got to wait and give him some leeway and see what happens uh, at the Senior Bowl, at the Combine, and Pro Day workouts. Yeah, he's a guy that I think definitely will be in Mobile. I, to me, like arrows pointing up with Brandon Ayuk and that draft stock. He's a guy certainly to keep an eye on. All right, uh, let's get now into our matchups for this weekend. What's a, an individual matchup? Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of big games this Saturday. Uh, is there one individual matchup, one battle that you're excited to watch personally? Well, I mean, there's a couple of them. We could probably spend the next hour talking about the LSU-Alabama uh, game. But, you know, I'm going to go out west with two teams that have been disappointing this year, with two players who have been disappointing that a lot of people thought, you know, highly of coming into the season. And that's Colorado takes on Stanford, and LaVisca Chenault, the receiver, goes against Paulson Adebo. Adebo, to me, was a bit overrated. A lot of people thought he was potential top 42 pick. I had him as a third rounder. He's got excellent size, but he struggles making plays with his back to the ball. And he's got beaten a lot this year. He got destroyed by Gabe Davis of uh, Central Florida a couple times early in that game uh, when the, when the uh, Knights won that game. Chenault, again, I mean, he struggled with injuries. He says he's healthy now. Only 37 receptions for 530 yards and just three TDs in the nine games that Colorado has played. Uh, that's not a good. St- that's not good stats. Uh, he's a guy that you know a lot of people thought would be the first receiver selected if he enters the draft, and I hear he's going to enter the draft, the top 15 pick. You obviously have to rethink that opinion. So I, I think when it- when you got Chenault against the Debu this Saturday, it's a situation where it's you know two guys that have pretty much been disappointing, and they're either going to continue to be disappointing or really someone's got to step to the forefront. 
Yeah, it's going to be a very interesting matchup there. Uh, certainly, Chenault looking for that big breakout game this season in terms of the, the eye-popping numbers that we just haven't seen uh, with him in this new scheme. Uh, I am going to go with the low-hanging fruit. I am going to go with that Alabama-LSU matchup. And Tony, I mean, there are so many individual battles we can look at here. Obviously, talking about two of the best teams in college football, uh, number one and number two, depending on what rankings you look at. But I think when you look at this, one matchup I'm excited to see is going to be with these skill players. You know, you look at Alabama, that receiving core, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, going up against this Alabama secondary, namely with the corner, Trevon Diggs. We've talked a lot about Diggs over the last few weeks and really over the course uh, going back to the summer. I'm a big, big fan of the way this kid plays. Plays. This will be one of the first tapes I look at uh, when I go back and watch him after the season. Uh, you're talking about a big, long, athletic kid with competitiveness, with ball skills, going up against an LSU passing game that most teams have struggled to stop this year. They're, they've been When they're in rhythm, they are very, very difficult. Jefferson and Chase complement each other very well. They both have big playability and also have been very reliable at the catch point for Joe Burrow. So uh, that's certainly a matchup I'll be keeping an eye on this game. I, I, I'm interested to get your thoughts as well. Listen, I love Trevon Diggs, and I said coming into the season uh, that if he stayed healthy and played up to his level of ability, he's a top 15 pick. There's no doubt about it. Everyone talks about the kid from Ohio State, the cornerback. That's understandable. But when you look at Diggs, he's got the size. He's got the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got the bloodline. He's got the ball skills. I mean, for a guy that, that big, who is that, that as big as he is, the ability to make plays with his back to the ball, get his head back around and locate the pass and position himself against receivers, it's really something to watch. Now, Really hasn't been tested this year. I mean, because they haven't really played too many good passing teams, uh, not, not too many good receivers. So this is a huge test for Trevon Diggs. And Justin Jefferson has taken off uh, in large part because Joe Burrow has taken off. So both of, it was both, both, both of those guys, Jefferson and Burrow, obviously have watched their draft stocks increase with good seasons. This is a big test for Diggs. And, uh, you know, I think he's up to it physically. It's going to be something to watch. Uh, I love his ball skills, but it's going to be the toughest test of the season, not only for Diggs, obviously, but for, also for Alabama in a game that's going to be closely watched around the nation. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but even thinking about it on the other side with, obviously, look, we've, we've talked so much about these Alabama receivers and Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and, you know, the, the rest of those guys down there going up against this LSU secondary. You know, there's been a lot of buzz about the true freshman corner, uh, Stingley down there, Derek Stingley, but the safety, Grant Delpit, obviously a very athletic kid who can excel in coverage and play in the post. You talk about uh, the rest of that LSU group. Um, you know, they've been, uh, look, I mean, some of these guys have been talking about his future first round picks. Delpit, he's going to be put to the test this week, namely because I think the one question you have about him is his ability to be a consistent tackler. And I've said this before on this podcast, against these LSU receivers in the quick game, if you take a bad angle or if you'd make one misstep in terms of being, you know, if you miss a tackle, they're going to make you pay. I mean, it's a, it is a tough group to be able to keep contained. So you have got to be sharp when you come downhill and make tackles. This is a big test for Delpit. It, this would be not, it would not surprise me if he's kind of put under the microscope in this game from a tackling standpoint. Well, not only Delpit, but Kerry Vincent Jr., yeah. as well as the, uh, the other cornerback, uh, Christian Fulton. Yes. You know, I, I think everyone talks about you know, the Burrow to a Tagliavoa matchup. I think this is a tougher matchup for the Alabama offense against that that LSU defense, especially with that secondary. I think it's a it's a tougher test for Rogues and Jerry Judy and Tagliavoa going up that uh, going against that LSU secondary, which is NFL caliber. <laughs> I mean, you could basically take those four starting guys and the nickelback 
and literally put them in, in most secondaries in the NFL, and they would flourish. That's how good these guys are. So, you know, while I think, you know, we talk about the Trevon uh, Diggs-Justin uh, Jefferson matchup, that's a good one to watch. Yep. But really, Alabama better be, you know, you mentioned Grant Delpit, and I agree with you to an extent. I think Grant Delpit's an exceptional player. I believe he is battling an ankle injury this week, as to what Tagliavo is. But Alabama receivers and pass catches, as well as Tagliavo, they better be on this, their game because these guys through and through in the uh, LSU secondary are just incredible. I, I mean, they are a joy to watch. And, you know, like you said, I mean, the best in the bunch could be a guy who's not even uh, draft eligible in the freshman Stingley. Yeah, he is. A, he's been really impressive watching LSU this year. And uh, Rashard Lawrence, the defensive tackle, he plays D-end in their 3-4 scheme. Really impressive guy. A two-gap body with one-gap quickness. Uh, he's a very disruptive player. So it's going to be a fun one, man. I, I am excited to be locked into my couch. Uh, 7 o'clock, I believe, is the start time for that game. Alabama versus LSU. Well, Tony, uh, let's now get into our mock draft roundup. And we've got a really good one this week. Uh, one that I'm very interested to get your thoughts on. Uh, we're going to go to Joe Giglio from NJ.com. Has the Eagles picking 18th and taking South Carolina defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw. What are your thoughts on Kinlaw, the value there in round one? Certainly has helped himself with how he's played as a senior. I think he's answered a lot of the questions some people have had, but has he helped himself this much now that I think he's going to be in that top 20 discussion? He could be. I mean, he mm. looks the part. I, I just want to see more consistency out of him. Uh, he is a big play guy. He is. He looks the part, and he plays the part. He does have some lapses on the field, uh, but you know, the Eagles do have a history of developing defensive tackles. And, and you know, when they drafted uh, Fletcher Cox all those years ago, I mean, it was a bit. It, it, it was a little while before they were able to develop him. So, uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense in a variety of ways. Tim Jernigan, he's on his last year of his contract. You know, they've got some uh, young guys who, who add depth but are not ready to step into the starting lineup uh, just yet. And, and again, if you are able to develop and get the best out of Kinlaw, uh, you potentially have a guy that could go that, that's a top ten talent. Uh, who just needs a little time and refinement. If he's able to be more consistent with his production, good athlete, a guy who's more than just a, a gap occupier or someone who stands up the blocker, uh, stands up blockers, he's able to uh, get out laterally and, and make plays outside the box. He's a decent pass rusher. He's a step down uh, below Derek Brown of Auburn, who I absolutely love, but he does have that Derek Brown type of playmaking skill, athleticism, power, and ability basically just to uh, take over games. Tony, how do you stack up Raekwon Davis with those two guys? You know, Davis is a guy, he reminds me of a lot of these Alabama guys who they have one good year and then they just don't seem to elevate their games. I I mean, I like them, uh, but I'm just expecting more from them. Because when I watch these guys, like a a guy like Raekwon Davis, I've watched him since his sophomore season, and I expect a level of of improvement in their games like like I've seen with Javon Kinlow, like I've seen with Derek Brown. I just don't think I'm getting it with Raekwon Davis. I think he can be a good two, and we've seen that constantly with uh, highly rated Alabama defensive linemen who, you know, come into the season, you know, with huge grades, early first round grades, and then they kind of, kind of slip down a little bit. Uh, Davis, I think, you know, he could be a good defensive tackle. I think he's got the ability to play uh, end in a, in a three man front, where I don't think you're going to be able to get Javon Kinlaw to do that. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I think right now, 
He's probably number three on my mm. probably number three on my list. I, I I think you could make the case that he's in front of uh, Kinlaw because Kinlaw does have a bit of uh, has some inconsistencies in his game and has some lapses. But I think Kinlaw is definitely headed in the right direction. Where I think Raekwon Davis has kind of leveled off a bit. It's going to be interesting because I, I think all three of those guys are very impressive players. I love Raekwon Davis on film. I'm, re- I'm really excited, hopefully, to get a chance to see all those guys in person, in Mobile, and how they kind of stack up side by side by side. It'll be a, a very interesting theme to watch uh, at the Senior Bowl. Well, Tony, thanks again for joining us here for Draft Buzz on the Journey to the Draft podcast driven by AAA. We will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Get a behind-the-scenes look at life with the Philadelphia Eagles on the Eagles Insider Podcast, presented by Lincoln Financial Group. From football to pop culture, no topic is off-limits with Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro. Subscribe today wherever you listen to podcasts. And really, this week was a really fun episode of the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave because he caught up with Alec Hallaby, who is a really integral person to this whole operation here with the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you're into analytics and the statistical analysis behind football and everything that goes into that, That's an episode you probably want to go listen to, so go check that out on the Eagles Insider Podcast with Dave Spadaro. All right, uh, let's get into the next segment of the show here on the Journey to the Draft Podcast, driven by AAA. It's time now for a scouting report. Dim those lights. We're headed to the film room for the scouting report. All right, so I teased it earlier in the show. The scouting report this week is going to be on Robert Hunt, an offensive lineman here uh, from Louisiana Lafayette. Louisiana uh, is now what they are affectionately called. But uh, as I mentioned earlier, he wasn't on the Senior Bowl watch list coming into the year, so very much off the radar. But this guy played his way to the game in Mobile. Uh, four-year starter down there for the Raging Cajuns. This is his first year at right tackle. I think this is because they've got a left-handed quarterback, so they want to put him on the blind side. He was at left tackle last year, and before that, he was a two-year starter at left guard. Watching him this year, he also got snaps at right guard. So this is a guy that's played all four positions, uh, both guard spots, both tackle spots along the offensive line. Very, very impressive uh, for a college offensive lineman. Um, So you love that positional versatility. 6'5", 314 pounds, solid height and weight. He's got pretty big hands, got pretty good length uh, for the position. So uh, from a body type standpoint, certainly looks the part. What stands out right away, this guy's got good initial quickness out of his stance. He's got the athletic ability that you're looking for, change of direction, natural knee bend, very comfortable on the move, uh, looks good in reverse. He's got good feet. Most importantly, maybe, he's never on the ground. I love his balance. So uh, this is a guy that's got a good athletic profile, should test well uh, when we get to the combine and pro day and that part of the process. I mentioned he's got the feet to be able to protect the corner. I do think he's got some tackle ability, probably a better fit at guard, but I do like uh, that he's got some foot quickness to him. He can recover pretty well if he's beaten up field. I thought his strength, he looked pretty, I thought it looked solid on contact. In terms of dealing with a bull rush, he was able to drop his anchor by his second or third step more often than not. So this is a guy I thought had some pretty good strength. And I mentioned his athleticism. Very fluid puller, uh, can be used on power and counter uh, at the point of attack, but also does a nice job in the zone run game of getting up to the second level. And when he gets up there, this guy looks to deliver kill shots on linebackers. Some really impressive blocks uh, up in space. And anytime, even if he gets defensive linemen on skates, he's looking to torque them and finish them into the ground. He plays with a really sharp edge. Uh, you love his play personality on film. Uh, and then I mentioned that position versatility. That's going to really heighten his ceiling, or his floor rather, as a swing backup. A, you know, a guy that's got that experience playing all four positions, he's always going to get looks. Even if he doesn't make it with his first team, teams will always look into that. As long as everything's right off the field uh, for a guy that can play a number of different positions as 
as a backup along the offensive line. So uh, that versatility will really serve him well moving forward. Um, pad level. Up and down, that's probably a big negative. You know, even though he's got a natural knee bend, he can play a little bit high at times. He gets caught playing with a skinny base at times. So even though I, th- I mentioned he's got solid strength to take on a bull rush, there were times where he got worked backwards because he got caught with his feet a little bit too tight on contact. His hands are very much a work in progress right now, both in the run and pass games. These are all technical issues that can get worked through at the next level. He's got to show at the Senior Bowl, and at the combine, things like that, that he's coachable. So that's going to be something to look for, uh, look for moving forward. Not a powerful guy that's going to consistently drive opponents backwards at the NFL level. So uh, we'll need to get a little bit bigger and stronger from that standpoint. But overall, I wrote down that this kid is an athletic bull in a china shop. That's his play personality. Needs a lot of work with his hands, his base, his consistency with his pad level. But there are tools to work with. And the, the, I like the versatility there. I like him best in a zone scheme where he can kind of leverage his athleticism up to the second level level. I see a potential starter at either guard or tackle, but I think that there will be patience needed there. The guy that he reminds me of, and this isn't going to be the sexiest comparison and you know, because he didn't turn into the best NFL player, but a lot of people were really excited about Billy Turner when he was coming out of North Dakota State a few years ago. Uh, we're talking, I think, 2013, 2014 at this point. But Billy Turner... Same kind of profile, you know, same kind of size dimensions, very athletic, had position versatility, had an edge to him, could even put all of that together and turn into a starter and a high-level starter at that. Hasn't quite gone as well. He's been on a bunch of teams. He's kind of bounced around. He's now a starter uh, for the Green Bay Packers, has been at right guard for them all season long. So not that he turned into a complete bust, but this is a guy that I think has a similar profile. We'll see if he's able to reach that full ceiling. But uh, Robert Hunt, very, very interesting player. So a guy to certainly keep an eye on on moving forward here as we get closer and closer to the Senior Bowl. All right, uh, let's wrap this show up. It's time for Draft Mailbag. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. All right, like I said earlier in the show, the best way to support the program is to go into Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, leave us a comment, leave us your question, and we'll answer it here in this segment. And if we get a bunch of them, we'll answer a bunch of them here on this segment. I do have a couple in the queue there on Apple Podcasts, but I got a good one right before we went to air from Twitter. So I wanted to give some love uh, to Yogi underscore Rome, who left a question saying, I-, I know the Eagles haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since like 1989, but what do you think the odds are that they will finally break the mold and get get a guy like Kenneth Murray out of Oklahoma. So, uh, Yogi, good question. Um, I think when you look at linebacker position, uh, you know, there's not always going to be guys in every first round that are, number one, that are worthy of being able to be a first-round pick. So, I think the odds of, for, of linebackers going to round one, that kind of limits, you know, the Eagles aren't the only team that have not drafted a linebacker in the first round uh, for the X, you know, last X amount of years. But when you look at Kenneth Murray, number one, he's a junior. We don't know if he's going to declare. I have not studied him yet. I know Ben, uh, he saw him live and was really impressed with him. Uh, we'll see if he ends up uh, going into that, you know, that first round or top 50, you know, top 50 picks. But uh, from what I've seen, looks like a big kid who can run sideline to sideline, make plays. Um, we'll see if he ends up in the first round. But I think ultimately, when you look at linebacker, uh, Ben and I have actually had these discussions, uh, you know, with uh, with other players around the league in, in terms of that position. You know, unless you're like a big time playmaker, you know, you can find guys that can come in and play and play competent, functional l- football for you. Uh, you know. In the, 
in the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, uh, those guys, you can find those guys. So uh, it's an interesting philosophy if you want to you know, spend high picks on positions that are going to be high impact for you and create big plays both on offense and on defense, pass rushers, corners, wide receivers, quarterbacks. I mean, those are the positions uh, that typically get the most love. Obviously, offensive linemen as well if you play the tackle spot. So, um, you know, those are – uh, it's an interesting discussion to have, certainly when you're talking about uh, the linebacker position in general. But uh, Kenneth Murray, a very interesting name, certainly to keep an eye on here uh, as we move forward throughout the process. But Yogi, very good question for you. And again, the best way to support the show or to get a question answered here is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you listen, and leave us that rating. But uh, look, it's a lot, a lot of fun here this week. I told you I, I love the, the, the week when we start getting those Senior Bowl announcements. I mentioned, hope to have Jim Nagy on the show here in the next couple of weeks. We'll break down some of these names more in depth with Jim. But uh, until then, we will see you next week here on the Journey to the Draft podcast, driven by AAA.